Welcome to another episode of Rooted and Reaching, a podcast about startups and entrepreneurs in the South Bend Elkhart region of Indiana. My name is Bethany Hartley. And I'm Nick Kuhn. Today, I'll be speaking with Phil Smoker with Smokecraft Boats, and we'll learn about running a family-owned business, industry 4.0 upgrades, and why South Bend Elkhart is a great place to raise a family. We hope you enjoy. Phil, thanks for being here today. really appreciate it. Hey, lo- love to be here with you. Absolutely. So let's jump right in. Smokecraft's been around for a while. When did it start? Uh, we were founded in, in 1921 um, as a lumber company. Actually, um, it's the biggest customer at the time was Studebaker, and we're providing lumber to Studebaker. And uh, from there, we uh, had some excess wood and built uh, bo- uh, some boats just on spare time and uh, found out there was no oars and paddles for boats. So got away from um, boats and lumber and built oars and paddles for the next um, 30 years until eventually it made its way through RV. I did some RV for a bit and got into aluminum boats in the in the early 60s. So uh, this is your family, yep. right? Great-grandfather, grand, great-grandfather? Well, actually, I'm fifth generation. Fifth generation? Yes. Okay. Yes. And actually, um, we're together with StarCraft, and StarCraft was founded even earlier than SmokerCraft was 1903. And uh, the fourth generation of the of the Schrock family that founded StarCrafts involved too. Okay, yeah. cool. Let's touch back on that in a minute. I, I'm really curious about this. How do you go from making wood things to making pontoon boats? Maybe we could follow that arc for a little bit. I know you guys do more than pontoon yeah, boats, yeah. but uh, aluminum boats. Let's let's call it that. Since you weren't there, from what you've been told, was this was there entrepreneurial spirit in that in that family were they just manufacturers doing what they needed to do to put food on the table what what was the, what were those early days like from the stories you've been told you know um it's a little bit of both and actually both companies went through similar um, paths um, I know on the smokercraft side um, it was initially just to put food on the table um, there was a large amount of the family worked together every day from a lumber standpoint and then they were always looking at other ways to increase revenue and do new things and I just over time you look at other things that kind of work into from what you were doing at that time and there was definitely an entrepreneurial spirit mm-hmm. in, in in the family, do you have any of the original oars still hanging around somewhere? Yeah, we actually have quite a we have quite a few. I, we're, we're notorious for if we find them on auction, we're always right there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah. So then you're around the boat space, but then you tra- the the company transitioned to making boats. That's right. So that's a big leap. You can kind of isolate yourself from you know your clients. If your client is a boat manufacturer, and all of a sudden you're competing with them, maybe they're they're not as interested in doing business with you. How how did that period evolve, and and what were the repercussions of that? Well, I, I don't know exactly how it evolved, but I will say this, it's, and it's an interesting story. Um, you talked brought up competition. So at the time, in the in the late fifties, early sixties, Smokercraft and Starcraft were, were separate companies. Okay. And I know that my grandfather was interested in getting into aluminum fishing boats at the time. And um, Harold Schrock, who owned StarCraft, was building aluminum fishing boats. And there was a couple other builders locally. And I know that my grandfather met with multiple people about, and, and his brothers, or his cousins, met with multiple people about how it was best to build them. Mm-hmm. And the actual competition was very uh, open to having people come in and discuss what the best practices were and how to do it. So a cooperative spirit. Yeah. Interesting. Typically, you wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, can consider that to be the first thing uh, to be helpful to a p- potential competitor, but it, it seems as if it uh, meshed these two families. It was the early stages of what turned out to be a merger. Yeah, yeah, and it, I mean, it, there was a lot of process that got there, but it was even before there was even that as a as a uh, discussion point or even an opportunity. People were willing to help each other. 
as huh. far as how to how to work within the environment. Do you think that spirit still exists in the South Bend Elkhart region today? Um, I definitely think it does. I think it's it's certainly competitive. I think that's probably one of the things that's local to the region as far as how we work with each other and we're still competitive, but I think everybody wants to see the area succeed. Obviously, you know, a lot of a lot of the competitors came from, you know, the same companies, same families, different things, but I think overall everybody recognizes the um what the industry, especially in RV and marine locally, for from my perspective, there's a lot of us working together to try to advance the region and advance the industry. That's great. Yeah. Huh, really interesting. Cool. So you're with your family. How many uh, representatives of your family are at uh, the Smoker Craft Starcraft Alliance? Yeah. So I, um, my, my father is the CEO and I'm the vice president of sales and I work directly for my father. But then I also have a couple, of, I, have a, I have a cousin that's um, involved in the marketing side. After my father and myself um, and my cousin, there we don't have a lot of immediate family mm-hmm. still involved, um, and the same goes for the uh, the other family, the Shock family. It's uh, we do have a bigger presence as far as the board of directors of the company, but not from an active day to day management. Got it. So you deal with your dad, yeah. at work and and then not at work and not at work as well. <laughs> That's right. And you're still doing it. I still so, still doing it. All right, cool. Yes. So it goes well. It can happen. It can work. Yes. All right. Teamwork makes a dream work. Excellent. So uh, a big point in in the history of Smokercraft is when it, it merged or acquired. I'm not sure the exact details. Or can you tell us about how uh, it it looked to leverage its resources with uh, Starcraft and and make a um, a better, bigger product? Well, actually, the um, the, the family that founded Starcraft, the Shrocks, um, they sold the company, and I don't know the dates exactly, but it was the late '60s. Mm. And then after. Um, being out of the industry, wanted to get back in for various reasons in the late seventies, and bought controlling interest in Smokercraft from my grandfather and his cousin. And at that point, um, it was just Smokercraft, but the two families were together at Smokercraft. And then in the mid nineties, I think it was nineteen ninety five, um, Brunswick, which owned Starcraft at the time, decided they wanted to sell Starcraft, and both families and company went back and purchased Starcraft. And then back in two thousand and seven, right about the time of the recession, prior to. We merged the two companies together into one location. Got it. And what benefit did that bring? You know, um, when we merged them together, it helped a lot because we had we had duplicate facilities um, just in the in the South Bend Elkhart region, mm-hmm. and uh, putting it all in one place, getting get us control of our inventory quite a bit better, uh, made us allowed us to use um, resources and engineering a little bit better mm-hmm. between the two. Um, it still was complicated in terms of people on one side were used to working with StarCraft and one side working with SmokerCraft. But over time, everybody was pretty good about getting through it. And it was actually probably easier during um, during the recession, which was a challenging time for the marine business because it was so challenging. People were really, really working hard to, to make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So we talked a, a bit about the history of StarCraft, SmokerCraft, and then uh, seeing the two companies combined. What are you guys doing today? What do you focus on? What do you sell, and how much do you sell of it? Like how many boats? I know they're into boats, but there's yep. probably some other things too. You yeah, tell us a little bit about the offerings. So we um, we operate under five different brands: Smokercraft, Starcraft, Sylvan, Sunchaser, and Starworld. And we operate in three segments, which is fiberglass uh, sport boats and deck boats, um, aluminum fishing boats, and then pontoons. And all told, amongst all of those three segments, um, in the last we we build about eighteen thousand units a year. Um, we also sell. We don't build the engines and the trailers, but we buy them and we sell them as packages to the dealer network. And our dealer network is over 400 dealers throughout the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. 
And that's your job as VP of sales. You're monitoring that, building relationships, ensuring that your dealers are aware of what's coming next, what what quality uh, you guys provide, all the options, everything to that in that regard. Yes, sir. All yes. right. Sounds like a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is. It gets complicated. <laughs> cool. Well, before you you joined uh, the operation, you had some entrepreneurial activity of your own, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So. In 2000, upon graduating from Miami of Ohio, we had uh, worked on an entrepreneurship project my senior year, which involved uh, database management and mailing services. Mm-hmm. And it was early within the uh, um, commerce on the internet. And we developed a website that managed mailing lists and databases and sent out cards and mailings on um, small businesses' behalf that might be for Christmas mailings or anniversary mailings, and they would manage the database online. Now it sounds like something everybody would do, um, but back then it was it was pretty early stage. So, <laughs> so you got your taste of technology, and you you threw your hat in the ring and said, "Hey, there's something here. I'm going to start a business with my friends or whoever the case may be." Yep. Oh, awesome. And uh, is that business still running? It is still running. Uh, we actually um, we sold it to our partner. We had a partner in Kansas City. Uh, they're operating it full time out of Kansas City as of two years ago. And uh, it's still in operation. Yeah, excellent. So, what did you learn from that experience? You know, I think that experience, um, having gone to school, that was great. Had a good base of knowledge. But when you're starting a company, especially right out of school, you find out way to get it done. And I think we found that we had to. There wasn't any way. There wasn't any magic formula. Or it wasn't a way that you had to do everything exactly um, written out for you. You had to just find the way to make it work. And I think if there's anything I learned, um, it was that you just went out and found a way to get it done. Yeah. Does that apply to your role currently? Yeah, I, I definitely think it applies to the role. I mean, obviously there are certain procedures and things, but a lot of times you just take for granted you think there's a way that it needs to happen. And sometimes, especially our organization, we're pretty flat. Uh, we don't have a lot of layers of management. And we do, but it's not to the level of a lot of our competitors. So we all take it upon ourselves to find a way to get things done. Mm-hmm. Just get it done. Yeah, That's good. I, I, I like that. Approach um, is Smokercraft. Do you think Smokercraft is entrepreneurial in its thinking or innovative in its thinking and the ways that you solve problems? Uh, yes, and I think I think we're becoming more and more that way. Um, we we spend a lot of time on trying to not just like uh, typically in our in our industry, a lot of the innovation is a lot of copycat from from competitors and things like that. We've looked at a lot of different ways to to build product that are not. Traditional, like we've done some different things with aluminum fishing boats and the way that the hulls are shaped that um, um, are quite a bit different from our competitors. Right now, we're working on some pontoon things that would take use different materials and an entirely different production process um, into new product design that will look quite a bit more advanced, more automotive. <laughs> and then we've actually worked it into some of our um, manufacturing capabilities too. And we were, uh, by we, I mean the Startup South and Elkhart uh, Committee, we had a meeting at, at Smokercraft uh, recently. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're talking about, a little bit of Industry 4.0 and automation coming into your process, which was not there before. Yes. Okay. Tell us about that, because it's pretty interesting to see it in real life, but um, uh, tell us about what you guys have developed. Yeah, so um, there's a couple of things. Probably the most exciting is what was happened, what was taking place on our robotic side. Mm-hmm. So we've worked. Um, we have some great people that, ha- and we've been working with a, a local company called Guide Engineering Fabex, and they've helped us in, um, create a methodology to build pontoon tubes with robots. Um, we've actually brought in. Um, I interrupt you. The tubes are the things that sit under the boat. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Sometimes I, I take for granted the the things that uh, I assume everybody knows, but yes. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, got That's it. right. So um, we're using robotics to weld the tubes, and that includes everything from the nose cone, the, the pointy front of the tube, mm-hmm. to, throughout the entire um, tube itself. And, and in total, I think we've we've purchased um, it is uh, ten robots welders, and it's amazing. It's incredible how how fast and and even more how accurate they are. And they've been able to help us with some to do some different things and actually helped us hone in on making things a little bit more consistent and helped our quality. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's one thing we've we've done quite a bit. We've actually worked a lot lately with um, industry labs over at Notre Dame, mm-hmm. and um, they've helped us with a number of projects that that dig into some product tracking within. Sorry, some production tracking with uh, units as they come through and where they're at on site, and using some RFID tags and and allowing us to do different things depending on on what stage it's in and know what's going on and what materials have been used and. You know, where that is in the process. I noticed when we were there on site, there was a big TV monitor that had a dashboard of numbers. Yeah. You know, and that, I'm assuming that's what you're referring to. You're tracking the throughput, the amount of boats coming through, and quality, and different parts being used, things of that nature. Yeah, and especially with the last two years, it's been really challenging to um, with materials and supply chain is challenging as it is. We've had to uh, adapt, so you never um, followed the exact uh, order in which you scheduled things. You did it based on what you had materials for, so our schedule would change within the week. And now this allows us to know exactly what boats running at what time and, and where. Yeah. So America is uh, is exploring the outdoors since the pandemic, and it's uh, uh, the RV and marine industry. I've seen uh, quite an uptick, and uh, hopefully, you guys have been doing well with that. How many boats have you guys put onto the market in the last twelve months or so? Or what did twenty twenty two look like for you guys with regards to uh, the number of boats sold? Yeah, so the number of boats, um, pretty much what we were able to produce over the last two years, we've been able to get to retail. Um, there's been a pretty strong demand, and so in the last year, it's it's been about eighteen thousand units. Wow, yeah, that's a lot of boats coming yeah. out of Elkhart. It is from from just your facility. There's other companies too, but my goodness. So we met several years ago when I came to Elevate Ventures, and you were a part of the committee, the Startup South Bend Elkhart committee. And I remember one of the first things you told me, I asked, you know, what you, why are you interested in being a part of this? And you said, I want my kids to come back home, come back here when they're out of college or when they, you know, spend some time in a city. And I want this to be a place that they're interested in returning to. Uh, that really stuck with me. And I, and I consider that in my role. Um, tell me, I mean, it's pretty, it's, it's a little self-explanatory <laughs> why you want your kids here, but why is that so meaningful to you so that you're disrupting your own schedule to participate in activities like this? Well, well I grew up here. I grew up uh, in Goshen and um, I, my wife grew up in Toledo and uh, we both came back here after a, a college and a stint in Chicago. And um, we, we really, we love it here. And um, we have four kids. Um, our oldest is a, about to be a senior in, in one day and uh, youngest is in fourth grade. So one of the things, I think there's a lot of opportunities here locally, and um, but I think there could be more. And I think, you know, my kids are adventurous and want to do different things and want to experience a lot of things. And I'm sure they'll do that. But um, I think there's a lot of that we can bring to to the region as well to make sure that they come back here. I'm selfish. I don't have to travel around the country to find them and spend holidays with them. So the more we can do and bring them back here, the better off we are. And I think with the, you know, somewhat from the outside in, a minor change such as a robotic welder coming in to smoker craft is actually um, quite a tick up on the scale of what we have the capabilities of doing around here. Because I think innovative and uh, entrepreneurial driven thinking and processes is uh, allows for curious people and entrepreneurial people 
to um, to gain interest and to want to be a part of organizations like that. So I appreciate that you guys were willing to throw your hat in the ring and say, let's find out what happens. It's been, it. it's been a great experience. I mean, honestly, um, and I um, we have a lot smarter people that have been engaged with it from a day-to-day perspective than I, but um, I do know that it's definitely something that it shows that this region can do those things, mm-hmm. uh, which traditionally we haven't been as engaged with. Right on. Well, I look forward to what you guys have in coming up. Is there anything new for Smokercraft that you want to share with the audience? Any uh, new releases or fun things that are that are that are coming up or happening? Well, we have we have our um, dealer meeting every August, and we have a lot of about probably three to four hundred of our dealers will come into town. And at that time, we'll be releasing some new products, and uh, one of them will be this. I was speaking earlier about this uh, pontoon production process, which actually sh- changes the shape of the pontoon, the the outer look of the pontoon, and more automotive. Mm-hmm. And we're pretty excited about that. So we think that'll kind of that will lead the industry in terms of what direction everybody goes in the future. Very cool. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing that. Okay. Phil, thanks for being here today. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Nick. All right, take care.